0: Hi, my name is Selena Riverneider, and welcome to my podcast, Marked as Red. Happy Halloween! Well, I mean, kinda. I'm recording this before Halloween, but it will actually be released after Halloween, um, well, anyway, Halloween is a state of mind, not a specific date, and Halloween is a great time for horror books. An even better time for horror books is a Halloween during a pandemic where you should not have parties and gatherings and you have to find a way to feel festive without endangering yourself or others. But what if you don't have a lot of experience with horror books? What if you've already read a lot of horror books and you don't know what to read next? Well, you came to the right place. I have some books to talk about today, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. For reference, I'm judging these books off of a few criteria. How invested I was in the story, how invested I was in the characters, how scary it was, and whether or not it lives in my head rent-free. The first book is Doctor Sleep by Stephen King. I'm sorry, okay? I didn't like this book. It took about 300 pages for it to be remotely interesting. What horror book has a slow-paced, boring plot? This one, apparently. The characters who are supposed to be scary were almost comical, and to make matters worse, this book was the sequel to The Shining, which I loved. It follows Dan Torrance after the events of The Shining when he's all grown up. He's a struggling alcoholic living with the memories of his childhood. In the earlier parts of the book, when Dan is remembering the Overlook Hotel and other spooky characters from his childhood, I was thinking, okay, this is gonna be good. The ghosts from The Shining are scary, gross, upsetting, whatever you wanna call it. They. The Shining was actually scary, The Shining was actually a good book, and those characters were a big part of why. The fact that all these years later, Dan can't shake them makes them even worse. But can you take a guess what Stephen King did with all that great setup? He ruined it. Yeah, he ruined it. He gave us characters which were supposed to be scary because they were the antagonists and normally the antagonists in a horror novel are actually, you know, scary. And not to mention the fact that they were trying to kill children all the time. They were not scary. I actually wanted to skip the parts of the book that talked about them too much, which is ridiculous because you would think if those are supposed to be the scariest parts of the book, I shouldn't be able to put the book down during them. The whole point, I mean, the whole reason that I like horror so much as a genre is because I never really feel bored. I'm never sitting there wondering, okay, when is this going to pick up? I actually end up reading a lot more books when I'm reading predominantly horror novels because I read them so quickly and it doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel like an assignment for school. And yet here I was reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages that one, probably didn't need to be there. This could have been a short story. Two, they weren't scary. And they were supposed to be a sequel to a book which was actually very scary, which was actually a great length, which actually had characters that I remotely cared about. But no, no, Dr. Sleep just had to go and be a massive disappointment. To make matters worse, it was full of a particular writing trait of Kings that I, I personally... I personally dislike it, with a passion. He he objectified just about every female character excessively. Like, I get it if it's actually part of the woman's character that she's attractive, or her overt sexuality is important to the plot, but he was doing this in parts of the book that were supposed to be the scariest, when... I genuinely did not care about the physical appearance of the woman in question. I cared a lot more about the horrific things that she was doing or the fact that she had supernatural abilities. For example, in multiple scenes that describe the main antagonist, Rose, actively attempting to brutally kill a child with her supernatural abilities, Stephen King takes the time and a lot of it, okay, I'm a lot of it, a lot of your time in that book is spent reading about the physical attributes of Rose to describe the lack of clothing that she's wearing while she's trying to kill a child. I don't think I've ever cared less about what a character's wearing when she's trying to kill a child using her mind. If it happened once, okay, fine. It happened to the extent that it actually impeded the scene's progression, which was, okay, when the scenes are scary, they're supposed to be some of the more fast-paced scenes in the novel, so that you, the reader, actually get the effect of the adrenaline rush. The plot picks up in pace, so ideally your reading speed, your heart rate, would also pick up in pace, which makes it scary regardless of the content itself so Stephen King obviously knows how to do this and so he would start doing that in that particular scene start making it more fast-paced start making it scarier the build-up was great and then all of a sudden he would derail the whole thing to describe Rose's body in a way that made it very clear it served no other purpose than to objectify her so, yeah, it, it happened to the extent that it actually impeded the scene's progression, which impeded the plot, which impeded me caring about it at all. Anything that does that in a story immediately annoys me, let alone objectifying women. Like, of all things, to derail the plot for, it's to objectify women. Okay, moving on. The grand total... I'm rating my investment in the story a 1 out of 10. I wanted to know what happened vaguely, but there were quite literally hundreds of pages I didn't care about, and I had to force myself to finish this book. I'm rating my investment in the characters a 4 out of 10 solely because this book was a sequel. I was already invested in Dan because of The Shining. If this were a standalone story, It would be much, much lower of a rating. This was again a 1 out of 10 in terms of. in terms of scariness. I wouldn't rate it to a small child. I felt creeped out momentarily. A little. The truly scary part was the fact that this was turned into a movie and some studio spent all that money on this. Story. This specific story out of all the horror stories, out of all the Stephen King books, honestly, they could have spent money on. It was Dr. Sleep. Okay. Does this book live in my head rent-free? Yes and no. I try not to think about it. Unfortunately, anytime I hear someone mention it, or honestly, anytime I hear someone mention Stephen King, I'm thrown into a complete rage when I remember how disappointed I was reading this. Let's move on to a better one of Stephen King's books, Pet Sematary, because honestly, believe it or not, I do actually enjoy Stephen King's work. Um, I just, some of it, some of it, I really, 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 really do not enjoy. So Pet Sematary, moving on. This is definitely a good book if you're just getting into horror and you want something scary, but not too scary. Although disclaimer, I would not read this book if you can't stand it when something bad happens to pets. I mean, you probably could have figured that out for yourself because of the title, but, you know, just in case. This book is like the opposite of Doctor Sleep. The characters, they're limited to just a few people. The setting, it's limited to a small-ish space, unlike Doctor Sleep where they decided, hey, Let's just go across the entire country, because that will make the plot really efficient. I have to stop talking about Dr. Sleep. This this podcast is just going to turn into me bashing Dr. Sleep for 45 minutes a day. You can figure out which bad things will happen to who. Sometimes, maybe you can take a guess. Maybe you can figure out the kind of bad things that will happen. But not all the time. Just enough that you have a healthy amount of dread, as you should, in a horror novel. The ending was excellent in a classic horror way, without any spoilers. It was a cliffhanger. And it was messed up. I sat there for a couple minutes after reading the last page thinking, okay, that was upsetting. I don't know what to do with myself now, which, in my opinion, means it was a good ending, especially for a horror novel. I was able to read this book while home alone, but I had to read it, one, during the day, and two, with Spongebob playing in the background. So that's about how scary it was if you're looking for a more qualitative description of that. On to the ratings. My investment in this book was about a 7 out of 10. I was definitely invested in the story. I wanted to know what happened, but I didn't sit down and finish it in one day. My investment with the characters was a 6 out of 10. I was definitely more invested in the plot than I was with the characters, but that was alright because the plot was good enough to balance the lack of character development. I'd give this book a 5 out of 10 for how scary it was. I was pretty scared when I first read it, not like the entire time, but I could tell when a scene was supposed to be scary, and it did actually scare me a little bit. I think part of that was because I hadn't read much horror, but I think if I read it now, I wouldn't be anywhere near as freaked out by it. I'd still find it creepy and a good read in general, but it isn't the scariest book that I've read by far. This book does not live in my head rent-free. It's a bit of nostalgia for me, since it's the book that really got me into the horror genre, and it's a pretty common recommendation of mine, but I don't think about it very often. The next book is much more of a psychological horror than a gory horror, it's I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. I've already talked about this book because I loved it, but here's how I think it ranks as a Halloween read. It's great because of how short it is. You could definitely read this on Halloween night. Secondly, if you don't really have a stomach for gore, but still want something spooky, this will definitely do the job. And even better, it has a decent movie on Netflix, so you could definitely read the book and watch the movie. Another disclaimer, this book does reference mental illness and suicide, so if that's something you'd prefer to avoid reading about, I'd skip this one. Again, this book is much less gory than a more traditional horror, so do what you will with that information. I'd rate my investment in both the plot and the characters as a 10 out of 10, This was the fastest I've read a book in a long time. So this book is like at the top of my top 10, not just for horror, but for books that I've read in general ever. Reed does an excellent job of choosing which details about the characters to include and which to leave out. So you simultaneously feel like you know the protagonist really well, but also not at all. You get these really intimate details about each of the characters' lives that make you feel as though they're someone who you've known for a really long time, but there's just enough mystery about it that you want to learn more, that you want to keep reading about the characters to see what happens. The best way that I could think of to describe it is it's like having a friend who you've known for a really long time, but you know nothing about, like, their childhood, their private life, and they're a little weird. And every time you're in a room alone with them, you're wondering if they're going to try to kill you. That, you know, that common experience that everybody has. That's what these characters are like. The plot was a bit confusing, but in such a well-balanced way, it pulled me into the story rather than pushed me out. I could tell that the parts that I didn't understand, I wasn't supposed to understand yet. And the parts that I did understand, well they were all subject to change. It was like this book was constantly reminding you that maybe you've thought that you figured out this story, but you definitely haven't yet. I would give this a 9 out of 10 on the scary, spooky scale. It wasn't a 10 out of 10 because I'd probably define it as more creepy than scary, but it was extremely unsettling right from the beginning. I remember reading it and thinking to myself, man, I'm, I'm really creeped out. I feel like the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up like they do when you feel like someone's staring at you. And I was thinking, wow, that was fast. I just started reading this book and I took a note of the page number. It was on page 24, I believe, when I started feeling that creeped out, which, um, as you can imagine, on page 24 of Dr. Sleep, I was not feeling that creeped out. In fact, I was wondering what I got myself into. But moving on, um, <clears throat> I constantly felt like I had to be looking over my shoulder while I was reading this book without really being sure why. Because, again, as I mentioned, the plot was just confusing enough. You didn't know what exactly you had to be scared of, just that you should probably be scared As you can probably guess, this book does live in my head rent-free. I will happily reread this book because I am sure there are so many details that present themselves only in a second or third read, which is always a sign of an excellent book. Last, but absolutely never least, we have one of the best horror novels that I have ever read. It's The Troop by Nick Cutter. And yes, I've already talked about it, but, um... It's going to be a while before I stop talking about it. So, if you don't like gore, I wouldn't read this. If you haven't read any horror before, I wouldn't read this because it's going to make you hate horror. This is one of those books where you can't tell if you love it or if you hate it. And by hate it, I mean, yeah, it's a great horror in that it's very scary, but it's kind of awful to read. Because it's such a good horror novel. I questioned whether or not I should have kept reading it at several points, but I was so invested in it that I thought, well, I have to know what happens even though I am physically nauseated by the kinds of things that Nick Cutter decided he would write about. I have never read a book with characters who were more messed up in more messed up situations. The whole premise of it, the whole concept of it was messed up. So without going into too much detail, so there aren't any spoilers, the characters were messed up for a couple reasons. One, it was the fact that the vast majority of the characters were younger boys, like similar to The Lord of the Flies, about the age that the boys are in The Lord of the Flies. So you not only had to read about people doing horrible things to each other, you had to read about kids doing horrible things to each other. Now, another character who you never really met in the book, but you definitely heard about, the scientist who you never really met, he was the one who created the parasite. And that was just more the all-around general concept of the fact that it was almost realistic that an overzealous scientist would create this. And to make matters worse, he was funded by the U.S. military. So it really does make you question, could this happen in real life? And the fact that it is, even somewhat likely, makes it a lot more upsetting. Not to mention that anytime the scientist or his experiments in developing this parasite are mentioned, they're done so in a very clinical sense, either through a court trial that happens after the events of the novel, or by scientific records of experiments which happen before the events of the novel. Um, So the description of what the parasite does in the experiments is very detailed and very unemotional, which makes it more upsetting because you know what will happen to the boys who are infected with the parasite. So this book is very heavy in body horror. If that's not your thing, don't read it. Like, I cannot stress this enough. Don't read it. I thought I kind of could handle that because I've read a good amount of horror before. It was almost too much for me. Um, I don't I'm still confused about how Nick Cutter managed to come up with the details that he included. Like, who hurt him? Because there are some things which are just better left unsaid. That book kind of made me wish that I never learned how to read. But what are you gonna do? Of course, if you're looking for a horror book that's really scary, then there you go. That's perfect. So, on to the ratings. My investment in the plot was... Oh, God. I mean, it was like a 10 out of 10, but I hated it. I knew that I was invested almost perfectly in the plot, but I wished that I weren't that invested. I wished that I could just put it down and walk away and pretend like I never read it. My investment in the characters. Um... I would give that a 9 out of 10. Not a 10 out of 10 because there were some characters which I didn't particularly care about. However, I don't think those were the characters that Nick Cutter wanted the readers to care about. That being said, I did care about all of the characters and I'm thinking of ending things. So in comparison, I would give that a 9 out of 10. In terms of how scary it was, I would give that a 10 out of 10. Um... I hope this never, ever, ever gets turned into a movie because one of two things will happen. One, if it does, it will be pretty bad because they can't replicate what it's like to imagine it while reading it. Or they'll do a great job of replicating it and it will be the worst possible thing to look at ever. I don't want to actually see the things that happened in this book. I really don't want to hear the things that happened to this, in this book to these boys. I would say it also had a healthy balance of gory horror and psychological horror, The gory horror, you know, obviously it's about a parasite and people getting infected with the parasite that makes them really, really hungry. You can kind of put two and two together about where that's going to go, but I would say it's a psychological horror in the fact that you are reading about younger kids and... people don't like to hear about younger kids doing awful things because it's kind of comforting to imagine the fact that, well, when you're younger, you know, you're more innocent. You wouldn't do bad things to your friends. But I think what this book does an excellent job of reminding you is you've never been in a situation where you've had to make that decision, so how do you know? And I wish that it didn't do such a good job with that because I. <laughs> my life would have been better without reading this. So, yeah, this book does live in my head rent free. I wish that it didn't, and I try as hard as I can not to think about it, which I know I also said about Dr. Sleep, but for totally different reasons. I try not to think about Dr. Sleep because I was severely disappointed. I try not to think about the troop because I would like to maintain a shred of happiness. So there we have it. You have a couple books to choose from. If you're looking for more recommendations, although with much less detail and without a rating system like I had in this one, check out my second episode where I recommend a whole bunch of fall-themed reads. If you like my content, be sure to follow me on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, both of which are at Selena Reads. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you soon.